Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always want to have that chip on my shoulder. I always want to feel like I have something to prove. You know, I never want to be complacent. I always want to keep that hunger and keep that drive and keep keep working and striving for more. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That was Raiders safety Marcus Epps. They signed him as a free agent from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's one of the guys that I believe is flying under the radar for the silver and black. Another guy that I believe is flying under the radar, been talking about him quite a bit as of late, is corner, slot corner, Tyler Hall. To talk a little bit more about Tyler Hall, joining us on the phone lines is Theo Ash from the Stay Hot Podcast. And Theo, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you this afternoon. And I noticed your tweet that you put out over the weekend that said, Tyler Hall is nice. And then Max Crosby quote tweeted it and said, ice cold. What was it that stood out to you about Tyler Hall? What stood out to me about Tyler Hall is his instincts and his ability to close space. And that's what really stood out to me in that play that I tweeted is, you know, he's, he backs up, he gets to the spot in the zone that he needs to be at, but he's always got eyes on the quarterback and he's able to efficiently break out of his back pedal with no false steps and drive to where he needs to be. And he did that to take away a, a crossing route on that particular play. So Pickett didn't throw it. They were playing the Steelers. So after that, he goes after Pickett. Pickett then tries to throw it behind him, but he gets his hand up and bats it down. So not only – he took the route away twice, really, one with the drive to the route and then one to bat the ball down once he rushed Pickett. And it seems like when I watch the Raiders' defense, he, he always seems to flash a few times when he's playing underneath zone like that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I said that many times last year. Even though he didn't start playing until, like, week 11, it was just every time I looked up, I saw 37, and I never knew who it was. I kept saying, who the hell's 37? And it was Tyler Hall. And, and, and Theo, he's a guy that was an undrafted free agent back in 2020, never really stuck with any team. And it looks like he has an opportunity to really stick with the Raiders. What do you think has kind of changed for Tyler? I don't know. I guess I, I, I haven't watched too much of him before this season when he really broke out. But I think one thing that stands out to me about him is his instincts. There are times where, you know, there'll be a stacked formation and the split is a little bit different. So he, he smells out and sniffs out his screen and is able to act on it. Right. So he's been very aggressive and almost seems to know what's happening before it does in a lot of cases because of his anticipation, both pre and post snap. So I'd imagine as an undrafted guy, you know, you need your chance, first of all, and he got that. And I, I can't imagine that those skills were there right away. That's It's kind of a, a veteran thing to do sometimes, what he does. So I think just with more time, uh, he's just been able to see the game better, and, and he's gotten his opportunity now well, to some extent, and, and really next year is going to be the real the real test. But I, I think that's what's changed. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, a good breakdown of it, really. And again, Theo Ash is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness, talking all things Tyler Hall. And you know, when you look at a guy that's playing in the slot, you know, you mentioned instincts. What that's a tough position. Some guys thrive at it, and some guys just can't figure it out. What do you just need to have to be able to be that slot guy? Like, what are you looking at for a slot corner? I think you need uh, some play strength, and even though he's a smaller guy, he's got uh, the ability to survive against tight ends or power slots who are, who are in that position, and then they'll try to push off him at the top of the route, and you can't go flying in those situations. And he's a smaller guy, but he's stout. He did a good job on the, the bench press at the combine. I don't know how much that matters, but it was notable to me that, he's, that he did well in the strength portion of that because he's not one of the strongest corners overall because he is so little, uh, but pound for pound, he, he's pretty good. And then he's got the recognition ability to, like I said, read the quarterback's eyes. He's very, very good at this. 
and break on the ball to close windows that initially appear open. There are times there was a play against the 49ers where he was in a certain zone guarding a wide receiver, but Brock Purdy moved off of the wide receiver that Hall was covering and onto his next read. And in one fluid motion, he took no time to process this. He threw the ball to the next read. And as instantly as Brock Purdy was able to throw it, Tyler Hall was able to react to it and make an incredible breakup. He laid all the way out to break it up and probably saved a touchdown against the 49ers. So that kind of recognition ability um, is really crucial when you're constantly playing in zones and playing underneath. Uh, you don't need long speed so much. You're not really guarding people down the field so much. You don't need length, uh, which he, of course, doesn't have at five foot eight. Um, and, and he's got everything I think that you're looking for. The only thing is he is so small that maybe they worry about him a little bit versus the run. Um, but to me, he seems like a pretty willing tackler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he does. He looks like a guy that's not afraid to mix it up at all. Again, we're talking with Theo Ash, Stay Hot Podcast here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Pro Football Focus had him ranked like number three out of their top ten as far as slot quarters in the NFL goes. But, Theo, it was a small you know, small sample size. He only started playing in week 11. How, how much do you think he could really build off of what he did last year and then parlay that maybe into a full season of, of action? Yeah, I think he's got a great chance here. Last year, the, the Raiders played a lot of five down fronts. They played a lot of three safety looks, big nickel. And I couldn't quite figure it out because I felt like Tyler Hall was a better guy to have on the field than their fifth defensive lineman or their third safety or anything like that. But yeah, when he was on the field, he really flashed. And I'm not totally sure why they opted to go in other directions. I'm sure there's a lot of contributing factors to it and what they wanted to accomplish, maybe have some bigger bodies out there because... Yeah, they struggled against the run a little bit. So I get all that. But I think if they can trust their front seven a little bit more, I know they added Tyree Wilson and trust Tyler Hall himself a little bit more. Maybe they don't have to add so many defensive linemen to the to the formation and go five down to create one-on-ones. Maybe they can get it done with just four. And maybe that means more nickel, and that means more Tyler Hall playing time. So I think that's what's going to happen because they've made those additions in the in the first round. So it's just doing what he's been doing just on a larger sample size. He's someone who I think guesses a lot and guesses correctly. He's someone that, like, like I've said, relies a lot on his instincts and, and jumping things and reading eyes. But sometimes he can get moved out of a spot. A quarterback can take a look somewhere and they'll go chasing after where their eyes go, but really they're just trying to move them out of the spot and they, they can do that with some effectiveness. And uh, so I think just, you got to guess right all the time. You got to get smarter and smarter and it's great to play instinctual, but you can't be wrong. So I like the amount that he's right right now. And I think that if he can keep that up with a bigger sample, then it's all good. But if it proves to be, you know, a little bit too much and he makes a few mistakes per game that, you know, you'd like him not to make, then maybe, they go back to what they were doing more of last year with big nickel and five down fronts and don't put them on the field. What does it say to you when you put out a tweet saying Tyler Hall is nice and a guy like Mad Max <laughs> Crosby says uh, ice cold, like he quote tweets it and says ice cold. Like what does that mean to you about that player that you're talking about in Tyler Hall? It definitely caught my attention that, you know, it's a guy that Max Crosby is willing to go out his way for to like draw some attention to you know if he was in practice or he was in the game and I don't know if NFL players think like this but maybe they're they don't stand out or Crosby would see that and be like I don't know if he really is this crucial to the defense so I'm not going to call, call attention to it you know but the fact that Crosby saw that and was like yeah that's right everybody ought to know about this um it makes me feel confident that I'm seeing the right thing and 
cool that whenever a guy of that caliber interacts with with you on social media. Right, no doubt. And again, I, that stood out to me when I saw Max Crosby really kind of endorsed uh, what you had said about Tyler Hall. And again, he's starting to get a, a lot of attention, I feel like, over the past you know few weeks, really. A lot of people are starting to uh, mention Tyler Hall and, and what he could bring to the table. Well, let me ask you about Nate Hobbs. And I don't know how much you covered and saw Nate Hobbs, but he played really well in the slot his rookie year. They kicked him outside last year, and he was good, but then he was injured and banged up. If Tyler Hall could be that guy in the slot, do you think that Nate Hobbs has a chance to kind of thrive on the outside? I think that I, I really liked what I saw from Nate Hobbs before the injury, and then I really didn't like what I saw from him after the injury. So if he can get back to that pre-injury form, the thing that really stands out to me the most about Nate Hobbs is his tackling ability. I love the, uh, how he's able to keep everything in front of him and then clean it up. Um, I think that he's a pretty good zone cover guy, much like um, – much like Tyler Hall is in that he chooses a good midpoint. He's able to take two routes away with his body positioning, right? It might be, he might be a little bit too close to the guy to hit it underneath, but he's dropped back just a bit too far to hit the, so he can, he can take things away in zone coverage, but in man coverage after the injury, I thought he struggled a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I think that when you've got a guy like Hobbs, who I think can thrive in zone and Tyler Hall, who I think can really thrive in zone, you can just call zone coverage and be pretty good you know, at two out of your three cornerback spots if you're if you're in a two outside corners, one slot look. So I, I think that I'm excited to watch the Raiders playing zone. I know that man coverage gets a lot more attention, but it's good to be good at zone because I yeah. think that's what gets run more option uh, more often. And that's a strength of, I think, both of these guys. So I think they can complement each other quite well in that way. Well, you got a pretty good little secondary if you got two out of three guys that are, are, are doing really well. And, again, those both those guys in Hall and Hobbs seem to be pretty physical, right? So to be able to, to play that zone coverage that you're talking about but also has the physicality to come up and tackle, I mean, that's pretty yeah. good. Now all you got to do is have your other corner step up and make some plays, and the secondary actually becomes a strength instead of a weakness. Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm excited about the young players, Hobbs and 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 Hall. I, I'm not totally sure. Who do they have projected as the other outside corner? That's a great question. I mean, they brought back Brandon Face on. They have Duke Shelley. They drafted Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland. I mean, I feel like that there's a lot of different options. And then, of course, Marcus Peters is being talked about as a guy that they might go and sign in free agency before the training camp. So I feel like that there's like one spot that could be up for grabs if Hall and, and Hobbs takes, uh, takes those two spots. Yeah, and Duke Shelley was someone who was really good in a small sample size, much like Hobbs was to the Vikings last year. He was very efficient. He played well. So, again, it's going to be a big test for a guy like, you know, assuming Duke Shelley, he has a shot to win the starting job, like he said. Um, but, yeah, if those flashes last year were real, I, I do think that it could be a nice little secondary for sure. That's something to look forward to. The Raiders' defense has to be a lot better than it was a year ago if they want to win more games as than they did with their six and eleven overall record. Well, Theo, great stuff, man. It was great to uh, you know kind of interact with you and be able to uh, catch up about Tyler Hall. I know you got the Stay Hot podcast. You're one third of the show. Uh, what are you guys working on that we should be on the lookout for? I just kind of post whatever I see, like the Tyler <laughs> Hall thing. I was just yeah. watching a random game and that place stood out. So. I talk about whatever. So if you are interested in the NFL in general and, and highlighting some of maybe the more underrated players, my account is Theo Ash NFL on TikTok and Twitter. I've, yeah. And I, on YouTube, I've got the Stay Hot podcast. So there you and go. Spotify. And so Stay Hot is my podcast. Theo Ash NFL is me individually. If you like this breakdown, go ahead and give me a follow. 
There you go. I saw you put something about Cleve Farrell and, and Trent Williams just a minute ago. <laughs> Is that something? What was that? That I just, I like I said, I briefly caught that. What was that? I just couldn't believe it. I was watching more Tyler Hall to prepare for this little interview here, <laughs> and then Cleveland Farrell just put Trent Williams right on his butt, and I was like, I didn't expect that from Cleveland Farrell versus Trent right. Williams. So yeah. I thought it was just a funny play to highlight, and then I think it's interesting that Cleveland Farrell is on the 49ers now after he did that. Right. Uh, maybe they were more impressed with his game tape than uh, most of the other teams that played him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing real. No agenda there. Just thought it was an interesting play and a result you wouldn't expect. There you go. Well, it was it was pretty funny to see that uh, right before we, we hopped on. So there you go. Great stuff, Theo, man. Thanks so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you. We'll be talking soon. Perfect. It was Thank a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. There he goes. Theo Ash, Stay Hot Podcast on Twitter, at Theo Ash NFL. little Tyler Hall conversation right there. And, again, I think Tyler Hall is a guy who's getting a lot more attention, getting a lot more people, you know, talking about him and has an opportunity to go and really expand on what he did in 2022 where he made some good plays. It was in a small sample size. Now if he could parlay that into a regular season, you have a really good slot corner. If Nate Hobbs could be that guy, as Theo mentioned, pre-injury on the outside, now you got a good outside corner. Then you got a lot of competition for another spot. Your secondaries could start to take shape. It really can. Like, I don't want to blow smoke up your backside and, and sell you a pipe dream, but – you know, it's not me talking. There's others out there that are noticing as well. So that's something I think, at least to get excited about. Obviously, we'll know more once training camp comes up and we get to get our eyes on these guys and see what they're doing in preseason and so on and so forth. 313 is the time. We'll come back, get to your calls and text 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Looking for guys that you believe are flying under the radar on the Raiders roster. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. The way he played last year when he was on the field, surrounded by those players, I think there's high-end potential there, and if he's unable to stay on the field, then if you're Miami, you're this time next year, you're probably thinking about what the other options are. I know they picked up his fifth-year option for 2024, but uh, they're not committed beyond that. He's got to show he's somebody who can stay on the field and produce the way he did last year. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Coming up at 3.30 from Pro Football Talk, the Hall of Famer Shereen Williams will join the show to talk all things NFL. And I think we'll ask her about Miami and Tua Tagovailoa and what they look like, especially if they go in and make the addition of Dalvin Cook, what they could potentially look like this upcoming year. That was Dan Graziano from ESPN talking about Tua and what the – what the Dolphins have going on with him and his contract and what he needs to do in 2023 to make sure that he's the quarterback moving forward. But right here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, been asking and looking for under-the-radar Raiders, guys that you believe are under the radar. And this all came from the Bleacher Report show that I did over the weekend on Sunday, as a matter of fact, and they asked me for four or five guys. So I hit him with Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell Jr., Tyler Hall, who we just talked about in great length with Theo Ash from the Stay Hot Podcast, Marcus Epps, Raiders safety that they grabbed the free agency, and also wide receiver Jacoby Myers. Those are the five guys that I had that are flying under the radar, in my opinion. Want to hear from you. Again, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. This is from the 253. My under the radar is going to stay say a meek. I agree Tyler Hall played great when given the opportunity, but I think we could have more production with a meek both from 2020, I believe. He Moss Kittle, and he son Jerry Judy, LOL. That's from the 2-5-3. And you know what? Amik has an opportunity 
He really does. He made multiple plays last year coming up with an interception and also picking up a, 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 a ball off the turf and taking it back to the house, uh, you know, for a score. And that's the thing about Amik. And he mentioned it when he was in school. He said that he got his hands on the ball so often. I think he had like 14 interceptions in school, which is great ball production. And, man, he would not only intercept the ball, but he would look to get to the house. And that's what you have to do, right? That's what the great ones do. They get the ball. And they look to score. They look to put their uh, offense in really good position. That's what Amik did. Amik was a guy that surprised me that he made the roster last year, right? I mean, I remember going into that fourth preseason game against New England at Allegiant Stadium. I remember doing a show right before that and saying, Amik Robertson is the guy that I'm looking at that, you know, he's going to have to have a big preseason game here to be able to make the roster. And to his credit, he did have a really good uh, game four in the preseason last year. And I remember asking him in the locker room afterwards, like, hey, man, uh, do you think you did enough to solidify your spot? He said, I don't know, but I left it all out there in the field. And he wasn't lying. He did. And uh, he did make the roster and made some good plays. He got, you know, beat a couple times. Well, all corners are going to get beat a couple times. He did get beat a few times. Of course, he's not the biggest dude, similar to Tyler Hall. They're not the biggest dudes, but he's got that he's got that dog in him. You know, and I don't like to use that phrase lightly and just, oh, he's got a dog in him. He's got a dog in him. Like, everyone's got a dog in him. No, not really. He's got a little bit of pit bull in him, right? He's got a little bit of of want to get after you, you know, a little, little, uh, he, he's not going to bite at your ankles. He's going to bite at your ass. You know what I mean? He's that guy. He's going to come after you. That's Amik Robertson right there. So I do like him. Uh, he's the last guy left off from the 2020 draft for the Raiders, which is sad since it's 2023. And he's the last guy left, last guy remaining from that draft class, but that's who he is. And he's got to go out there and, and earn his spot. That cornerback room is pretty deep right now. I mean, it really is, and that's why a guy like Tyler Hall, he's got an opportunity to go out there and compete. I mean, you got guys like Sam Webb. Remember, he was an undrafted free agent a year ago. He earned a, a spot. Ja'Korian Bennett, he was drafted in the fourth round. Brandon Faison, he was brought back as a free agent. Tyler Hall mentioned him multiple times. Nate Hobbs, we've talked about him multiple times. Bryce Cosby, he was the guy that was, what, on the practice squad for a while uh, last season. So I, I could see him uh, having a little bit of a say as far as, you know, uh, you know, competing in that cornerback room. There's multiple guys, Jordan Perryman. He was a guy that was an undrafted free agent that they signed. So there's there's a lot of dudes in there competing for you know a, a few amount of spots. Of course, Amik Robertson is mentioned. Uh, he's in that mix as well. Uh, you got ZZ Hearn. He was another guy that was an undrafted free agent that was thrown into that mix. There's a lot of dudes, and I mean, when you have 90 guys on the roster, you're going to have a lot of dudes. But they've got to earn that spot. If you assume that Hobbs is going to have a spot on the outside, and I assume that you know either Hall or Amik will have a slot corner spot. There's not a whole lot as far as starters go. And then, okay, who's, who's the, the next line of defense? Who's the, who's the depth? How many do they keep, right? I mean, all of a sudden it becomes a numbers game, and that's, that's what it boils down to. Who's practice squad eligible? Who's guys that you look at and say, okay, they may be on the practice squad but not on the regular roster? I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I'm glad those guys have to make those decisions and not me. All I get to do is sit back and talk about it with you. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do, like, I do appreciate that. Good stuff. How about this one? Jim from Yonkers. It's always great to hear from Jim. Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach, is under the radar. He is the offensive line coach of the Raiders. We all seem to talk about McDaniels and Graham. This guy worked under one of the best in New England. Many of the offensive linemen are under the radar. Most of them are undrafted or late-round picks. I think Brasillo is doing the most coaching and teaching on the staff. Thank you for a great show. Hope you had a great Father's Day. 37, Lester Hayes. <laughs> I ain't never going to live that one down. <laughs> I ain't never going to live that one down. You know the funny thing about it is, I mention Vegas Jess all the time. That's my good buddy, man. And he is a Lester Hayes dude through and through. 
at 2 o'clock, he heard the intro that you put together for the show, Ari, and he texted me and said, hey, really nice intro. And then he heard me go on to talk about number 37 and not mention Lester Hayes, and he didn't hit me up and be like, Q, Q, what are you doing? How come you haven't mentioned Lester Hayes? What is wrong with you? Stay low. Stay low. Stay low. Like, that's, I mean, that's every time I see him, that's what we do. Like, as that's our running joke amongst ourselves. That's why I can't rem- I can't believe I forgot Lester Hayes. I can't believe that that slipped my mind. But what did I tell you, Ari? I guarantee you there's a, predom- a very predominant 37 that I'm forgetting about. I-, I said that at the top. And, yeah, clearly I was right. I'm trying my best to not make a promo out of this, but it's just such good stuff. <laughs> but I-, I might pass. So we don't have to remind you every other week. No, it's okay. Look, man, <laughs> hey. You know, like I, I remind I, you that you're old sometimes. So, I mean, you, know. you do, but again, I have an answer for everything. Yeah, I'm old, but it's a blessing to get old, right? Everyone don't get the opportunity, so I'm just glad that I got the opportunity to get old. And, hey, I messed up. I forgot Lester Hayes. I should be talked about. You should talk about me. I'm not there mad at go. that. I'm not mad at that at all. My bad. <laughs> right now, Lester Hayes is like, damn it, Q. How did you forget about me? And I'm thinking the same thing. Lester, you're right. And you know what's funny? This is how this all ties together, and this is the magic of radio sometimes and how things tie together. And I'll tell you right now, I ain't going to lie to anybody. I didn't tie this together this way on purpose. This just happened to be really good. We're talking about Lester Hayes. We're talking about the greatness of number 37, how I forgot about him. Well, we all know where Lester Hayes went to school, right? Do we all know where Lester Hayes went to school? He was a Texas A&M Aggie. Coming up next on Raider Nation Radio 920, Shereen Williams, the pride of Texas A&M. The Aggie will join us. And I'll actually start off with number 37 and Lester Hayes and do that with Shereen Williams. We'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Throwing the question out there, who on the Raiders roster do you feel like is flying under the radar? 69187, keyword r That's our don'tbebroke.com text line. Of course, you can call in when we don't have a guest, but we do have a guest right now, so we'll get back to the phone lines in a bit. But joining us now on those phone lines for Pro Football Talk is the Hall of Famer, Shereen Williams. And Shereen, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And I got to admit to you off top, we were talking about players on the Raiders roster, and number 37 has been standing out to me quite a bit, and that's Tyler Hall. And I kept saying – that every time I see 37 on the roster, I always have to look down and say, who is that? And for some reason, James Trapp always stood out to me in a major way. And I said, I know that there's another 37 on the Raiders that is probably a really good player that I'm not thinking of. And lo and behold, it was Lester Hayes. Shereen, as an Aggie, how in the world did I forget Lester Hayes? My guy. How did you forget him? Mr. Stickum. So, yeah, he he was uh... – a great player, and in my mind, I think he should be in consideration for the Hall of Fame. I think he should already probably be in the Hall of Fame, and I know there's some, I don't know if you want to call it Raider bias, but I probably wouldn't call it Raider bias, but, you know, people start ticking up, okay, how many Super Bowls did this team win? How many players does this team uh, have in the Hall of Fame the decade? I'm not talking about one specific team, but over a period of, of years, how many Super Bowls did they win? How many players they have in the Hall of Fame? And I think there's something there where people say, look, look how many players the Raiders have from that era in the Hall of Fame. Do we really need another Raider in the Hall of Fame? And I'm not just biased because of Maggie. I watched Lester Hayes play, and I think at his position, he was one of the greatest of all time, and especially of that decade. And I do think he deserves more consideration for the Hall, and I hope at some point the Seniors Committee agrees with me and 
and puts him on the ballot, and uh, we can discuss his case because I think he has a very good case. Yeah, I do too. I do too, and he's a great guy. Just getting to talk to him every once in a while is always a lot of fun. He's very entertaining. So, again, shame on me that I couldn't remember Lester Hayes, (laughs) the great Lester Hayes, number 37. Again, Shereen Williams joins us on the phone lines here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. Just wanted to scattershoot all things NFL with you, and we were talking about the Dolphins earlier as well and talking about Tua Tagovailoa, what he could bring to the table. What are your expectations for Miami this season, especially if they're able to go ahead and add Dalvin Cook to the roster as well well you, you know you look at that roster and and it's it's deep at every position and then you start thinking about the division that they're in and who's not good in that division I mean I think the Patriots on paper are probably the fourth team in that division but to me it's really hard to separate the other three teams out of that um you know the the Jets you would lean to simply from quarterback play I you know he what he's done with his MVP awards, um, especially two of the last three years. And, you know, Josh Allen's uh, a great quarterback, too. I think we'd all agree with that. Just hasn't been able to get it done in the postseason. And, and so when I think you look at the top three teams, I think Tua Tonga-Vailoa is third out of those quarterbacks in that division. And so that's where you have to look for a step from the Dolphins. I thought when he played last year before the concussion started, uh, that he played at an MVP-type level where the Dolphins had a chance to go do something special in the postseason. But then those concussions came, and I think it changed everything for that team and, and for Tua. And now he's got to prove that he can stay healthy if it hasn't been the concussions. It's been other things that have kept him out of the lineup. So he has to figure out how to stay healthy, and sometimes it's just bad luck. But, you know, <laughs> That factors into to what how you view a quarterback is their availability, and if they're not available, they're not going to give you a chance to win, and they're not going to be one of the great quarterbacks of all time. They're not going to be one of the great quarterbacks of of whatever season it is. So he's got to stay healthy and and play like he did last year when he was healthy and a little bit better. He he should be better, frankly, uh, just from the reps that that he got last year. So. That, to me, is the key for that team is is the quarterback play, as it is probably for every single team in the league. But they just have so many other great players at, at other positions when you start looking at that roster and you just think, how is this team not going to do something in the postseason? And it all comes down to what can Tua do this season for the Dolphins. And look, I don't think they need this. Adam, when you look at their running backs, good Lord, they have some running backs. And, you know, Devin A-Chain, you know, I, I watched uh, Devon A-Chain play at Texas A&M, and I know what that guy can do. He's, he's going to be one of the fastest players in the league. With he and Tyreek, I, I don't know, you know, how you keep up with both of those guys. Uh, and he's the rookie on there, but you just look at the running back depth they have. I don't know that anyone in the league has better running back depth than the Dolphins do, so I don't know if I'm adding – Dalvin Cook, I look at other positions on that team that the Dolphins need worse than they need Dalvin Cook, but I know certainly Dalvin Cook wants to go home and, and play there. So it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, but if I'm also Dalvin Cook, I want to go home to play, but I also want to play where I'm going to get a ton of carries, and I'm not sure that's in Miami because they're going to spread the ball around. They have so many different weapons, and they have so many different weapons at the running back position. 
Great points right there. Again, Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Let's stick in that division in Buffalo. Uh, all the drama that was going on with the Bills, it looked like there was drama, then it looks like there's not drama. Uh, what do you make of everything going on in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, and, and Sean McDermott? Well, you know, with Diggs, I mean, it's, it's kind of a pattern now. That's exactly what happened in Minnesota and why he's not there anymore, and Frankly, it was a win-win trade when it happened, and there are very few of those in the NFL, but the Vikings obviously used the pick to get Justin Jefferson, who may be the best receiver, arguably the best receiver in football. We can argue about that, uh, whether it's Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill or, uh, or or Justin Jefferson or whoever, but I certainly think Justin Jefferson is in the conversation for sure. Um, and then the Bills got their number one receiver that they had been missing, but that's the reason he left Minnesota was under the same circumstances that now are taking place in Buffalo. So I don't think any of this should have come as a surprise to Buffalo. If it did, they didn't do their research before they traded for him. And so, you know, I just think this is part of the pattern for him and they've got to figure out a way to get him to coexist with Josh Allen and and be the great receiver that he can be, uh, how unhappy he seems to be at this point. So it's it's just it's weird, um, but it's, it is almost exactly what happened in Minnesota that eventually got him out of Minnesota. And if he wants out of Buffalo, he's probably going to use some of the same tactics to try to get his way out of Buffalo. That's wild. He just got a, a contract extension last year. They yeah. bumped up some more money, so you would think yeah. – He'd be happy, but you're right. That's very Stephon Diggs-like. How about the Cowboys? You you cover the Cowboys like a glove. You're up there at Jerry's World all the time. You th- expect Dak Prescott to have a bounce-back season and not turn the ball over as much as he did a season ago. Well, really, that's the key. I mean, you hit right on it. 15 interceptions last season led the league, and he didn't even play the entire season. Of course, he was hurt part of the season uh, last year, and then he threw two more in the 49ers game that, that cost him. Uh, a lot in that loss to the 49ers in the divisional round. So if he can't better protect the football, the Cowboys won't do what they think they're capable of doing. And I do like the offseason moves that they made. I think they shored up their run defense uh, in the draft. I think that the trades for Brandon Cook uh, and for uh, Stephon Gilmore, I think, were great trades. I think uh, they did really well on both of those areas, shored up those two positions. I still think they need a backup running back. And I don't know, I don't, wouldn't expect that to be Dalvin Cook, but I do think they need another running back, whoever that is, uh, for some depth behind Tony Pollard because they're going to wear out Tony Pollard. But, again, it's, it's sort of what we were saying about Tua. It really comes back to the quarterback, and, and if he can cut down on those interceptions and play better than he did last season, he was really inconsistent last year. He had some great games, but then he just had some games when, when he threw it away frankly, and, and it just didn't work out for the Cowboys because of the turnovers. So he's got to do a better job of protecting the football. He knows that. Now can he do it? They spent the whole offseason working on that, watching every single interception. Why did this happen? Some of it was bad luck. Jaguars game, he hits Noah Brown right in the chest, ball pops up, intercepted, run back uh, for a touchdown in overtime, game-ending game play. It wasn't his fault, but it happened. Um, but some of those were his fault and miscommunication with receivers and all those types of things. So they've got to fix that going into this year. If they do, if that plays well, this team has a chance to contend. When I look at them on paper, just because of the uncertainty that the 49ers have at the quarterback position right now, I would list the Cowboys second in the NFC, but that also means they're second in their division. 
they got to figure out a way to beat the Eagles and be first in their division if they're going to uh, really have a chance to win the NFC. It's hard for a wild card team, obviously, to go through and get it done. It can be done, but it's so much easier if you're playing at home, at least one game at home, at least, you know, getting that home game or two home games uh, really should pay dividends for you. And then if you can get that buy, it's even better. But we all know there's only one buy now. But they, they do need to win the division if they're going to have a shot uh, to go to the Super Bowl. Kellen Moore is now in L.A. with the Chargers as the O.C. So what do you think the play calling looks like with Mike McCarthy now calling the shots? Yeah, that's going to be real different. And I don't know that anyone knows exactly what to expect. Dak Prescott said last week that it's going to kind of be a cross between you know, the, the West Coast offense, some things that, uh, that Kellen Moore had implemented in that offense. And, and they were really good. They were a really good offense under Kellen Moore. So this is uh, going to be something to watch to see how Mike McCarthy uh, changes up Kellen Moore's offense. Uh, they both, Zach Prescott and Mike McCarthy, have said it's roughly 30 to 35% different than what it was under Kellen Moore. But the play calling is also going to be different. So that's going to be early on, especially next season. Teams will have to go back and probably watch some Packers tape to know how Mike McCarthy calls games because it's not going to be what it was with the Cowboys the last few years under Kellen Moore. It's going to be different play calling. You're not going to know what their tendencies are for the first few weeks. Um, So I I would expect teams to go back and look at some some Mike McCarthy, Green Bay Packers video from the 13 years he was Aaron Rodgers play caller, but of course he was Aaron Rodgers play caller, and I don't think any of us at this point would say Dak Prescott's anywhere close to Aaron Rodgers and and the way he played uh, for Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. So uh, really going to be something to watch to see what this offense does uh, and how they perform and how the play calling is different and how the offense is different. Again, Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Rough. There's just got a couple more questions for you. Sticking with Kellen Moore in L.A. with the Chargers, is that like the last lifeline for Brandon Staley? Like if he's not able to get it done now with a play caller like Kellen Moore, could he be one of the first coaches uh, on the way out this season? 100%. You know, I think he was a little bit lucky to get another season after the way the postseason ended for him. Uh, Blowing that lead in Jacksonville, (laughs) That would have gotten an awful lot of coaches fired. Uh, but he does get another season, and, and he, I think the hiring of Kellen Moore is fantastic. I think he'll help this offense. I think he'll ha- help Justin Herbert. I think they're going to be much improved on offense, and they were pretty good anyway. But I, I just think they're going to be better even on offense. Now they got to keep those receivers healthy. That was a big part of their problem last year is uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams I think it was 12, I looked at this last week, and if memory serves, I think it was 12 games total combined that those two guys played. That's not enough. I mean, those guys have to be on the field uh, and, and, and give uh, Justin Herbert two legitimate receivers to, to help him in that offense. And so they've got to figure out how to, again, sometimes injuries are just bad luck, but that's part of how you evaluate these players is their availability that's number one are they available are they out there are they playing most games every season is are there is there a history of injuries and i think with both of those two guys over the last few years there's a history that they've got to figure out how to keep them on the field keep them healthy whether it's you know look at mike williams he played in week 18 got hurt in week 18 and was unavailable because of that back injury in the postseason why are you playing him in week 18 knowing his history of injuries. Another reason, you know, you think that's starting to stack up a little bit against 
uh, Brandon Staley some of these decisions that he made. That wasn't a good one. And I know he says he doesn't regret it, but he should regret it. You don't play a player like that who has an injury history in Week 18 in a meaningless game, and he did, and it really cost them in the postseason. They might have won that playoff game otherwise. So you've got to make better decisions, Brandon Staley. Let Kellen Moore do his thing, and those receivers have to stay healthy. And if they do, I, I look at that team as, as a contender. But, again, we go back just like we were talking uh, earlier about the the AFC East. Look at that AFC West. I yep. mean, just really good teams in that AFC West with – you know, good chances, I think, all of them. Of course, the Chiefs are the kings of that right. division. you got to figure out how to beat the Chiefs. But all those teams look like they're really playoff contenders, whether that means contending for the division title with the Chiefs or whether that means going for a wild card berth. But I like all three of those teams and what they did this offseason. But we all know all four teams in that division are not going to the postseason. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, Shereen, we started off with the Raiders. We'll end with the Raiders. And, uh, matter of fact, Vaughn Miller just had his uh, his, his passing rush summit yeah. uh, out here in Las Vegas, and Max Crosby was a major part of that. And, matter of fact, next year, Max Crosby's name is really going to be on that pass rush summit. How big has Max Crosby become nationally? Like, we see him here all the time, and we know how big of a star he is. But he, to me, seems like a guy that now the whole NFL is really paying attention to. They do, but even having said that, I don't know that he's gotten his due really like he should have. I, I really think people should be talking about him more than what they're talking about him now as one of the top pass rushers in the league. And, and I really think he can get more publicity for, for what he does. Because when you think of the top, I think if you went nationally and said, hey, who are the top pass rushers? And you're going to go, hey, Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt and you know, Von Miller, Von Miller's healthy, and Nick Bosa, of course, who won the um, Diva the Player of the Year award. And Max Crosby's name would be mentioned, but it'd be a little bit farther down that list, and I don't know that, that it should be that way. Um, you know, he's gotten the Pro Bowl the last two years, and, um, you know, his AP uh, second team All-Pro two years ago, but I really think um, – that he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, 37 and a half sacks in his career, 12 and a half last season. And I just think we should be talking more about him as, as one of the top pass rushers. And tell you what, if he gets some help, like he should have this year opposite him, he can be even better because he's kind of been the one man show. And that makes it much, much harder on a pass rusher. Yeah, there's no doubt. Chandler Jones is there. And then of course the rookie Tyree Wilson out of Texas tech is, yeah. uh, who also was at Texas A&M at one point. <laughs> so he's yeah. uh, <laughs> this is this is tying all together, Shereen. It's all tying together with the Aggies. <laughs> it is. That is awesome. He could be a good one. That was a good pick. Yes, yes, I think so. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do this upcoming year for the Silver and Black. Well, Shereen, fantastic stuff. Thanks so make, for making some time for us this afternoon. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, let's see. Well, we got a Browns running back uh, post that's about to go up and, and put up a few. But you know what? With with the holiday and uh, kind of quiet out there, now we've kind of hit the offseason. It's it's pretty quiet right now. So I think it's going to be, you know, the next big thing, obviously, and maybe the last big thing that we're looking at is, is DeAndre Hopkins and where he's going to go. And then I think we could see maybe some quarterback uh, signings of some of these guys who, who have hit eligibility to sign that second contract um, so I think that's the two things we're watching probably over the next four weeks but otherwise it's going to be pretty quiet 
Well, and that's okay because the, the, the storm will be brewing real quick. We know how yeah. fast it comes up. Well, Shereen, thanks so much again. Great stuff as always. Definitely appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Shereen Williams, the great Shereen Williams right there from Pro Football Talk, the Hall of Famer. And it's awesome to have Shereen on the show. It's awesome to have John McClain. It's awesome to have the ones that have been covering the game as long as uh, she has and he have. And, and, again, it's just it's awesome to have them on and definitely appreciate them giving a, f- a few minutes of their time uh, this afternoon talking all things NFL and love the fact that we started out talking about uh, Lester Hayes, an Aggie, and ended talking about Tyree Wilson, uh, a guy who was an Aggie at one point. We were talking to Shereen Williams, who was an Aggie. I mean, it's just it all tied together, and it was all on accident, but that's how it happens sometimes. Again, it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than it is to be good. 348's the time. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Just win, baby. You know, that's what it's all about, but also, you know, on and off the court. Right. And I think some of the programs we're doing in the community and everything else is, is starting to pay off all the way around and people understand that the Aces are here to be in the community and it, it's exciting. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Mark Davis right there with TC Martin at the Aces game. On Sunday versus Minnesota, a game that the Aces went on to blow out Minnesota, beat the brakes off from like 90-something to 60-something. I can't remember the exact score, but it was a lot to a little, and the Aces improved to 10-1 and overall on the season. Of course, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders and the Aces. Uh, and there was a lot of people in attendance, including Darren Waller, former Raider tight end. Darren Waller was in attendance at Sunday's game as well, cheering on his wife, Kelsey Plum. And it was always great to see uh, Darren Waller back in the building. And, you know, just he was always a guy that was at all those games and sitting courtside, and there's so many different fans that show up. And uh, I say it all the time, if you've never been to an Aces game, go to an Aces game. Enjoy an Aces game. They're a lot of fun. The environment's fun. The action, obviously, on the court is great. The team is fantastic. But it's just the energy inside the building is awesome. So definitely go check that out. Now, that wasn't the only thing that was going on on Sunday. My man Ari, who's behind the wheels of steel, he was out at Twin Peaks right out in, uh, in Henderson off of Eastern, and he had a little Father's Day celebration going on. I saw a lot of pictures. I retweeted a lot of pictures from that event. You and DeMond were out there, and James, our engineer, also social media, like guy, guru, he was out there. You guys look like you were having a little bit of fun there at Twin Peaks. <laughs> it was. It was a blast. I really – it was great. They're great people, fun crowd. Um, it was like a mix. It wasn't quite all fathers, but it was like – I felt like it was potential fathers, some younger guys, so it was, it was interesting. It was, it was funny. a good time, though. It was funny because to make that happen, you and Danny basically switched spots. Danny ran the Aces yes. game, and you, you were able to go out there and do that remote, which was great. Well, big ups to Danny. And he said uh, that he saw that there was those $10 burger for uh, <laughs> Father's Day. It was $10 burger and beer or whatever, and he's like, damn it. I should have I should have got out there. He's like, I wanted to get out there and get that $10 burger and beer and then realize I had an Aces game to run. And I was like, yeah, you got an Aces game to run because you switched with Ari. Yeah. So you, you got over on that one. That was a no, win for he, you. Yeah, I said I told him you stepped up, and it's greatly appreciated. I told him, like, I probably couldn't have done this without you, so thanks. No, nah, Danny's great about that stuff, all joking aside. So, And, and, and frankly, I will say, I don't usually uh, – Mention to people that I've been here 10 years, but sometimes oh, you need flex on him now. Sometimes, flex. well, like I said, he's he's there was no pushback, but it's like if there was, like, hey, come on, bro. Like, I, I've been here, you know, 
Help me. I've done Ari's this for try, other. Ari's trying to pull Listen. the seniority card. Okay? All right, I'll take it a step further. How you think I got here by doing stuff like that? I will cover for people when needed. I will ah. be Mr. Uh, availability, flexibility. I like Whichever it. one of those abilities is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you are very uh, flexible, whereas you, you cover a lot of things if we need we need help. And it really, uh, everyone does behind the scenes. I think that we have a really good crew that cares about the product that we put out there. So we definitely appreciate it. But, no, I'm glad that you had a good time. Like I said, you did a good job. I saw uh, all the social media interaction, thought it was great. I was about to head down that way. Little Q drove in uh, yesterday as well. Nice. We were about to head to Twin Peaks and check you out. And then all of a sudden the wife said, hey, uh, there's an opening at Joe's. You want to go to Joe's? And I was like, sorry, Ari. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry, Ari. <laughs> which uh, which jo- Joe's? Joe's inside Stone? the Caesars Forum. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Don't be sorry. My favorite place. <laughs> I love that place. That place is amazing. Yeah, so. yeah. So you were you were just out. I was like, uh, That's yeah, there's, all right. there's no uh, Twin Peaks and no disrespect to them, but there's no ah. Twin Peaks in my, my future. We're going to uh, we're going to Joe's and we're gonna have ourselves a good time. I Great got Father's me a Day, bone in ribeye and it was like Ooh. an extra thick cut. Oh, that thing was a monster. Did you get mac and cheese? They have amazing. Yeah, mac I got and a cheese. lobster mac Ooh. and cheese. All right, well I'll pass on the lobster. That's just because I'm a picky eater. But yes, they're mac and cheese. Hey, whatever, man. When, hey, look, if you can get a little extras and put a little extra in it, you going to get it, man. Do what you got to do. That's what I did. So everything that they brought me, they even brought me a little bit extra of the the steak uh, seasoning. It was a Father's Day gift. They there gave to go. all the fathers that came in. It was wrapped up and everything, real nice and neat. So got the big uh, piece, the big yeah, piece of steak. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, man. I got my man. That was a big, that was a big dino burger, man. That burger was huge, right? And then Lil Q got a big old plate of fried chicken. He looked at that chicken, and didn't know what the hell to do with it. That was looked like the whole damn chicken farm was there, but it was great. So uh, many thanks to uh, everyone who you know contributed to what we did. Coming up next, we kick off hour number three of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty.